My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. I went to a Baptist seminary, even though I was trained as a Methodist. Most of the courses we took were the same, except on Fridays, the Baptists went to Baptist history and polity, and the Methodists went to Methodist history and polity. That was the big difference, is learning the history of what our denominations were all about. But I need you to know that there was some playful poking back and forth. I used to say often that, you know, Baptists are all wet. It'll sink in, okay, right? And we would tell jokes about each other back and forth. One of my favorites is this. A little girl, for her very first time, went to see baptisms. And that night, her mom heard this splashing up in the bathroom. And she went up, and the little girl had lined up all of her dollies, and she had filled up the tub, and she was baptizing them. In the name of the Father and the Son, and hold your nose. <laughs> a baptism is a mystery that we will never understand. I want you to know that. It's a mystery we will never understand. The same way that the love of God is a mystery that we will never understand. So you can set your brain back to the first century. There were only one group of people that got baptized. And those were non-Jews who were converting to Judaism. They had to have the circumcision and then they had a public baptism. And they would go out, and in front of everybody, they would confess their sins in front of Almighty God, and they would be baptized. That's why John's baptism is called a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. It was a representation that they had left the world of the Gentile and were now going to voluntarily live in the world of the Jew. Now, you know that I like to sing, and you know that I like a good musical as well as an opera, and who doesn't like the musical Godspell? And if you've ever seen the musical Godspell, the lights are out, the stage is dark, and in the back of the church, you hear this sound, and sometimes it's an actual shofar, a ram's horn, and in one production I saw, it was a baritone horn, but it goes, do 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 and then you hear this voice, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And all of the cast have been put into the congregation, into the audience. And John the Baptist from the back of the church comes with a bucket, like you're going to wash the floor, and a sponge. And all the people in the cast get up and he baptizes them as they come forward. It's a really neat start to the musical. This is exactly what's happening in the story that we read today. John the Baptist arrives on the scene and says, something wonderful is going to happen. Somebody wonderful is coming. You are not ready, but you can be. Let me take you down to the river. We will do just what we do to the Gentiles. We will forgive your sins in the name of God, and you will be ready when he comes. And the song at the beginning of Godspell is only those two lines. And they just sing it over and over and over. Why? Because we as human beings need to hear the same message many, many, many times until it sticks. And by the time they get to the stage and the whole uh, 
cast is singing and jumping and dancing. Then, right in the middle, comes Jesus, usually with a Superman shirt and rainbow suspenders. And the whole thing comes to a crashing halt. Because Jesus doesn't need to have his sins forgiven. And John says, just like he did in the Bible today, he says, I, I shouldn't baptize you, you should baptize me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, no, let it be the way that God has intended for righteousness. Jesus demonstrates his obedience. And John baptizes Jesus. Jesus doesn't need to repent, but he needs to show the world the same way that we show the world, the symbol of his ordination and his entrance into his public ministry. One of the reasons I brought the photo album for the children's sermon is that baptism and a wedding ring are very similar. Baptism does not save you. A wedding ring does not mean you're married. If you're not baptized, you can still be saved. If you're not wearing a ring, you can still be married. So I love this part of the marriage service where the pastor says, usually to the best man, may I have the rings? Then he holds them up and he says, a wedding ring is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. You can't see what happened, but it happened. And even though you can't see that it happened, we're going to celebrate that it happened, either at the baptism or by the giving and receiving of rings. The baptism doesn't make you a Christian. It demonstrates that you said you want to be part of the family of God. A wedding ring doesn't mean you're married, but it demonstrates that you were participating in that ceremony. Now, here's your fun part of the history. Baptism, believer's baptism, that we talk about today as Baptist, didn't really come into fashion until the 1500s. From the time of Jesus all the way up until the 1500s, they practiced what we call pedo-baptism. Pedo being child, and they baptized children. And then people were reading the Bible because Gutenberg had started printing it in the languages of the people, and they said, hold it. Some of those people got baptized when they made a decision for Christ, like the Philippian jailer or the house of Cornelius. We want to be baptized like that. And the church said, hold it. If you read the whole book, it says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You can't go and baptize yourselves again. So they secret themselves off because they had decided that they could only be baptized in running water. It had to be moving water. It's in the middle of winter in Switzerland. I happen to have been in Switzerland in the middle of winter. It is cold. And we went on a boat ride on Lake Lucerne in the cold, beyond cold, colder than cold. They dig a hole in the ice and they baptize each other in the ice water in the river in Switzerland. And they all die of pneumonia. Oh, God. That was our first baptism. Now, later on, they figured out maybe we shouldn't do this in the middle of winter in Switzerland in running water in a lake. And they began to catch on, and they were called Anabaptists. Anna because they were being baptized again. Now, we as Baptists, we don't baptize babies and grown-ups, so we're not Anabaptists. We're just 
Baptists. But I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear this with an open heart. When you get to the door of heaven, you will be greeted. I don't know by whom you will be greeted. Some people say it's loved ones that went before. All the jokes say it's St. Peter, right? It could be Jesus. It could be anybody. But there's a door, and you've got to get in. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that at that door, you're going to be asked a question. Did you know Jesus? That's it. That's the question. Did you know Jesus? And you're going to have to say, yes, I did, or no, I didn't. And God knows if you're lying. I just thought you'd like to know that right up front. You can't lie your way into heaven. So you say, yes, I knew Jesus. He says, come on in. Oh, hold it. I have another question. Were you baptized as an adult or as a baby? Did you have wine or grape juice at communion? Were you confirmed when you were 13 or when you were 18? Were you a Baptist, a Methodist, a Presbyterian, Assembly of God, a Catholic, an Episcopal, Unitarian? Uh, the second question is the one that really gets you in. Well, that's ridiculous. Only one question gets you into heaven. Did you know my son Jesus? Now, we want you to be baptized. We want you to participate in this sacrament. We call it sacrament because Jesus commanded it. Go you into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it's not what gets you into heaven. It's your change of heart. It's your accepting of the gracious gift that God has provided for you through Jesus Christ. Now, we had a class on how to baptize people in seminary. Because they don't really teach you this stuff unless somebody takes you aside. So true story... I'm at the Creation Festival with a good friend of mine, probably the second most important mentor in my life that made me a pastor, Jim Duran. And he says, have you ever baptized people? I said, no, I haven't. He said, well, come with me. Now, youth groups on the way to Creation go all the way down the, the Philadelphia Turnpike until they get to Mount Union or wherever it is. And my youth group had shared the gospel with this guy from a motorcycle gang. His name was Wizard. He was about six foot eight and looked like a hell's angel. His beard was this long and he wore the leather and the chains and all that. And at the Burger King on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, my youth group led him to Christ. And he followed us to creation on his motorcycle. He stayed with us for the week and when they announced it was time to get baptized, he said, I'm in. So now Jim Duran, who's about my height and myself, are standing in this little pond that they do baptisms at creation. Wizard comes literally running into the water. He says, I want to know Jesus. And he throws his arms like this and back. We didn't get to instruct him. We didn't get to ask if he knew Jesus. He was getting baptized and it was happening now. And he throws all several, maybe 300 pounds of his six foot eight self up in the air and back. And Jim and I are like this. <laughs> we catch him, but if you've ever been to a baptism, you're not supposed to bend your knees or unbend your knees because then they come up. Now, Wizard is floating, and Jim and I are like this trying to keep him from drowning. He's certainly wet from some miraculous part of the Holy Spirit. We get him back on his feet. This big, huge hunk of a man is hugging us both, crushing us into the kingdom, and runs out of the water and shouts, Who's next? <laughs> 
I'm like, no, I'm done. I want to be a Methodist and do babies. Right? Nice little babies. No more six foot eight hell's angels. So we go down in seminar. We go down to the local Baptist church. They got permission to use the baptismal. And we want in and we learn the correct way. You know, have them go like this and pinch their nose and not bend their knees and back and forth. We, we learn that. So the story is told of a young pastor. He was having his first baptism. He was very nervous. So the day before, they, they went to his family for dinner just to have a relaxing evening with family. And, and his mother could tell that her daughter-in-law was just not happy. But she didn't want to pry, but she knew something was wrong. So she paid extra close attention. And then she found out why her daughter was so upset as they were leaving and walking to the car. <coughs> and the daughter said to her new husband, the pastor, yes, we can go to the church. Yes, you can baptize me one more time. But if we get a funeral, you're not burying me. <laughs> Jesus came to die for you and for me. Jesus started his ministry, started his ministry at this point in time. That's why the baptism of our Lord is an important Sunday in the church year. And what really happened was, was this. There's a story told by a writer, and I'm going to butcher his name, Henri Barbusse. He's French. Wiki's not going to correct me in public. And he was a, a writer during World War I, and he was in a trench with wounded soldiers. And the soldiers were dying. And there was one soldier that was almost to the point of death. And he said to his mate, Dominic, you've had a hard life. You've, you're wanted by the police. I have no convictions against me. My name is clear. So take my wallet and my papers and my identity, my good name, and hand me your papers and your crimes. And I'll take them to my death. Jesus says, you have many convictions against you, against you. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. We all deserve the penalty of death. And Jesus says, take my papers. Take my good name. Take my identity. And in baptism, declare to the world that you belong to me. It, 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 it reminds me of a, a story and I've used before. I, I hope I haven't used it here before, but they do blend together after a while. The little boy who saw the poster at his town that the circus was coming. And his dad said that if he got all the chores done at the farm, he could go and see the circus. And it said right on the sign that the circus cost a dollar, and he got his little dollar in his hand, and he ran to town, and the circus was having the parade. Some of you might remember when the circus came to town, they did a parade down the center of town, elephants and lions and tigers and clowns, and the boy had never seen the circus before, so he was amazed at this parade that went by of all the circus. And as the last clown went by, he ran up and he put his crumpled dollar bill in the clown's hand and he said, thank you. He said, I'd never seen the circus before. That was amazing. And he went home. He never saw the circus. Many of us hear the good news, are convicted by the good news, and may even perhaps... Go to the circus and see the circus. And we say, 
I want to be part of that, but we never go any further. Baptism was not the end of Jesus' ministry. It was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's where everything began. I made notes. Jesus had a symbol of rebirth. His new life as our Messiah began at that moment. It was a celebration of God's grace. And it's for us an initiation into the family of God. Baptism is the beginning of Christ's ministry and ours. So if you have never admitted that you need a savior, if you've never said, I want to be part of the family of God, then if you want to make that decision today, Wiki, myself, the deacons will be available after church and we would love to pray with you. If this is the moment that you need to recommit your heart to Christ, you say, you know what, I, I was baptized, I did make the decision, but I'm not really living the way that I should. And you need to recommit. You don't have to be rebaptized, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But you're allowed to say, I want to start over. I want to do it better this time. Or if this is the day that you're feeling called to start your own ministry, a ministry to the people in your block or the people at your work, the people in this town, participate in the music ministry or the children's ministry or any ministry, and God has been tugging at your heart and convicting you, and you want to pray with somebody, we would love to pray with you during our last hymn. Our last hymn is, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. Let's stand and sing together. Amen.